Hello, everybody. Thank you for sticking around. I just need another 30 minutes of your time. I want to share with you something very, very amazing today, and I know that it's going to change your life. You remember last week, we spoke about the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, last week was Pentecost, and we we're talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit, after one being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, the lives were changed and transformed, and so many things would happen. You know, one would be able to pray for the sick, raise the dead, even a shadow can heal the sick, all the amazing miracles. But but you know what else the Holy Spirit can do for those who are being baptized in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, you know, after they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter the Apostle preached a sermon, and he quoted Joel. And then we, could, we can read it from what he was saying, what he was quoting. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, he said that in the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. And this is what's going to happen. Your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will, watch this, show them wonders in the heaven above, signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. Do you know what the Holy Spirit, what else the Holy Spirit can do? The Holy Spirit can help you and I to see things. That's right. To see things that most people cannot see. To see and peer into the spiritual world that most people cannot see. Including many sincere believers who cannot see. You know, in the days of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, they both were lamenting that their generations were generations of God's people that have eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear. You say, what is he talking talking about? Are they all blind and deaf? No. They have the physical eyes, but they cannot see what's going on. They got the physical ears, but they cannot hear what is going on. What they can see is what most people can see. It's just a physical reality, the physical activities. And today, most believers, unfortunately, are in the same boat. Not only unbelievers, believers are in the same boat. They don't see what's in the spirit. They don't see what's, in, what's happening in the heavenly realms. They can only see what everybody else is seeing that is in their immediate present activities. You know, they can see what's happening, but they cannot see why. And so they're as confused as the people in the world. But you know, today God wants you to be able to see into the spirit. You see, most people, when they look at the activities, they allow, watch this, the interpretation of the world, the narrative of the world, the system of the world, the media, the education, the experiences, their cultural upbringing, everything that, that, that's about them physically and soulish-wise to interpret it to them what's happening. They're also allowing their flesh to tell them what's happening. You know, the Bible says that the flesh cannot discern or perceive or see what is in the spirit. Only the spirit can discern spiritual things. And so most people, they are allowing the flesh and also the things of the world to tell them what is going on behind the activities that they see in front of them. It'd be like a blind man depending solely on liars that either tell half-truth or complete lies to show them the way. They have no vision. How can they even have a proper living? How can they even make a proper decision if they're only uh, uh, having 
incorrect information coming into their ears. Just imagine if they're blind. They can't know what's going on. You know, the Bible says that in Proverbs 29, verse 18, the Bible tells us that, you know, without vision, the people cast off restraint. What does that mean? What does it mean without vision, people cast off restraint? Just imagine this, right? If you're blind, you can't see anything, you know, then there is actually no restraint. If you don't even know you're blind, you can't see anything, then you know that you, you, you believe that there's no restraints. You can just go any other way you want, you know, and just imagine you are blind. How can you walk properly? How can you make decisions properly if, if, if somebody is, is telling you lies and you're depending on them to tell you lies, you know? But, you know, for those blind, those, those people have no vision. They have no restraint. And they could be walking off the cliff and they wouldn't know because they... They can't see any restraint. And that's why some of the interpretation in the Bible tells us that without vision, people actually perish. They would go ahead and conclude that if you can't have any restraint, you're going to go ahead and perish. I know this verse has been used by many people to talk about vision and talk about the vision of an organization and so forth. But in context, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about when you cannot see properly, you're going to be going all other ways, and eventually it'll lead you to your own demise. But God wants you to see properly today. He wants you to see. He wants you to hear properly. Paul the Apostle in Ephesians chapter 1, 18, pray for the church this. Uh, he said that, I pray that your eyes of understanding being opened up, being enlightened. I pray that you're going to be able to see into the Spirit. I pray that God's going to open up your eyes to see what most people cannot see. Friends, do you know that God wants you to open your eyes today to see what most people can't see? Do you know how critical that is? And I know that you also want to do that. You want to see into the spirit of the why of what's going on today. Man, I tell you, it's a dark world out there, my friends. It's, it's, it's chaotic. It's confusing. And if you pay attention, even just read some of the, some of the news coming out of the U.S. or even in Canada or other parts of the world, man, it's really disheartening. It's chaotic. And so, you know, by the Holy Spirit today, he wants you to learn how to see what's behind the activities that we all are witnessing in front of our eyes. Now, not just see. God wants you and I to see from his perspective, especially during the time of chaos and darkness. I don't know if you remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Now, let's read it together. I want to show you something here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We read that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then verse 2, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. This is a very interesting scripture. If you would just read it as is, line by line, you would think that God is a creator of empty, darkness, formless, and confusion. But he's not that God. Many people, theolog many theologians believe today that the ch chapter 1, verse 1, and chapter 1, verse 2 are about hundreds of millions, if not billions of years apart. You see, because our God doesn't create formless things. He doesn't create darkness. Many people believe that God had created a perfect heaven and perfect earth. And something happened in between verse 1 and verse 2 that caused the earth to be in darkness and formless. And if you know anything about the scriptures, you understood 
that you know at one time in heavens there were a mighty rebellion and that Lucifer would take one third of the angelic beings I don't know how many of them maybe in the billions who knows took one third of the angels and rebelled against God and they were cast out from heaven and that's between one and two I believe and that's what it caused such formless and chaos on earth but this is what happened in spite of the chaos in spite of all the darkness and formlessness, this is what happened in verse 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, over this darkness, over this formless, chaotic uh, environment. But in this chaos, you find that the Holy Spirit is still hovering over the chaos. Why? Why was the Spirit of God hovering over the chaos? He wasn't inside the chaos because God is not the author of chaos. He wasn't inside the darkness. He was hovering above. Do you know why? Why well, in verse 3 tells us very clearly, in verse 3 it tells us because God was about to execute something amazing he was about to bring in a new creation on, of, of the planet called Earth that we know of today. This new creation that we're living in. This is the reality that we're living in today in this new creation. Friends, do you know that while you may feel that there's chaos outside now, things are getting darker, things are getting more confusing, do you realize that the Holy Spirit is above all hovering over it? You know why? Because it's about doing something great. You know, I love one of those songs that, that I, just, I just recently heard, and it's released by Bethel. It's called The God of Revival. And one of the songs, one of the lines in the song said that in the darkest night, God will light the fire up. He will light it up. So in regardless of how dark things may be, and I'll tell you this, if you had to pay attention to the news, it's very dark. Not only from the United States, because you see the media in the U.S. and by and large in Canada are consumed only with what's going on in North America. You will never hear about any news around the world. Do you know that there's a lot of tension? There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of chaos outside North America also. Let me give you an example. Do you know that there is a war that is imminent between Sudan and Ethiopia? There's a tension at the border right now. But most of you probably never heard of it because the North American media, we so focus on just us, right? And they're about to go to war. They're at the brink of war. Do you know that both India and the Chinese, the Indian and the the Chinese government, they're amassing troops at the border now between India and China. Most of you have no idea what that is or what's going on because there is a dispute. And you know, they say that they're going to solve things uh, diplomatically, and yet the Chinese government is amassing a large amount of troops at the border. And not to mention North Korea, not to mention in South America, in Brazil, in, uh, in Venezuela, there's all kinds of chaos. Not, not to mention in, in Hong Kong, you know, the, the Chinese government is taking over democracy or the South China Sea. There's a military tension there now. There's a lot of things. Many of those conflicts or potential conflicts can bring this world into a complete disaster, a nuclear disaster. Those are darkness. But I want to tell you this, fear not. 
doesn't matter whether it's going to become darker or it's going to be brighter. I want you to know that the Holy Spirit, as in the days at the beginning in Genesis, hovering over darkness, you, do you know the Holy Spirit today is also hovering uh, 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 around the darkness? And that yet, but He is not in the darkness. He is above the darkness. You see, and so. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit is just looking, looking for opportunity. And you know, this time is different from the time in Genesis in that this, in that this, in, in that this time he has his church. He has his church at his disposal. I believe God is about to do something amazing, something new. Yes, the world is very dark. You know, we got this COVID-19 and we got this, this racial tension, you know, protests, people burning America down, you know. But, you know, on the other hand, in the darkest night, God is going to light up his fire. He's going to light up his light to shine all over the world. And, you know, this time, on the, uh, uh, however, he has something that he didn't have in Genesis chapter 1. He has you, the, his church, his church. The ecclesias. We are his church. I believe this time he's going to use his church to usher in new creation, to usher in new reality. Are you ready for that? Because God has a very strategic, uh, amazing role for you. Now, you know, but the word of God says that the Holy Spirit is hovering above the darkness in Genesis chapter 1. And today he's doing the same thing. And you know, friends, you and I are to do the same thing. You know, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to be above the darkness. You know why? Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it tells us that Jesus, when he rose from the dead, God had raised us up together with Jesus. And you guess what happened? Now he had seated us together with Jesus in heavenly places. What does that mean? It means that my friends, positionally in the spirit, you are actually right above all the chaos, right above all the confusion. You're sitting right beside Jesus. You are supposed to be able to see things that most people can't see because now positionally you are in that place, that lofty place called heavenly places. And yet most believers are not in that place. They don't know how to see things from that view. They don't know practically how they are seated at the right hand of the Father with Christ Jesus. But today I want to teach you that. I want to teach you not only be able to see things, but be able to see things from the heavenly places. You say, why heavenly places? Let me tell you this. Listen to this very carefully. I want you to listen to this very carefully. Where you sit determines what you see. What you see determines how you make decision. And how you make decision will decide the consequence of your own life. I'll say it again so that you won't miss it. Where you sit determines what you see. And what you see is going to determine how you make decision. And how you're going to make decision is going to make determination of your life's outcome. Let me give you a very simple example. Some of you have driven uh, in Toronto a lot. I have many years, almost, I guess, 20, 30 years I've driven in this city. And you know, driven, if, you have been driven, if, you, if you have driven in this city, you know that there's all kinds of traffic jam. And you know, for the people, by the time they find out about traffic jam, it's usually too late for them to get out of the traffic jam. 
right? Because you'd be driving on a highway, say, on, on Don Valley Parkway. In Toronto, we had a joke called, we called it Don, we give, the, give it a nickname called Don Valley uh, Parking Lot because all the car would actually stay still most of the time because it's so much traffic jam. But you know, if you're driving on a 404, everything would be smooth, right? And you would not know there's a traffic jam around Don Valley and Lawrence because all you see is smooth traffic. All you see is what's ahead of you because you're at the place, at the level where you can only see what's ahead of you. And what you see ahead of you is smooth sailing. But you did not know that there is a traffic jam, some kind of accidents, construction, unless you have a thing called GPS. And if you have a GPS, what GPS does is that they'll see things from the satellite, you see. And they look down on the satellite, they'll see what's going on. And that if you can see what the satellites see, then you will be able to make decisions accordingly not to keep going on this 404 South, but to take off on 401, take off on Finch, take off on Shepherd or whatever, just to avoid all those major traffics. It's the same thing, my friends. When you learn how to see from the spiritual view that is in the high heavenly places of God, you will be able to avoid a lot of disaster. But not only that, you will make good and right decisions. You will see opportunities that most people cannot see. And that's why to be, able to, to be seated in the heavenly places is very, very important. So not only do we want to be able to see things, we want to be able to see it from the right place. Now let's move on. Now there are problems that would inhibit us or distract us from seeing things from the heavenly places. I'm going to share with you a few so that you can understand and be careful and be cautious that you do not allow all this distraction to take your eyes off your heavenly eyes from your heavenly places, but that you will be able to see and look at things from the heavenly eyes all the time, like, the, like your satellite eyes, you know, like the satellite eyes for the GPS, that you'll be able to see things and make decisions and it will cause you to walk in your destiny and the full purpose that God had designed you to walk in. Now, one of the first things that will cause people not be able to see is their immediate present problem, the immediate present environment. You see, you know, most people are very distracted and, in fact, very focused on the present issue. They're probably spending 99% of their energy focusing on survival, focusing on paying the bills next month, focusing on solving their problems today. And there's an English idiom said this, they cannot see the forest for the trees. In other words, they cannot see the forest because of the tree. They're standing right in front of the tree. They cannot see what's behind the tree. And that's what most people are doing, including Christians. That's what they're doing, is that they're focusing on this tiny little tree, and they cannot see the forest behind the tree. And what do you do? What you need to do, friends, is that when you are caught in a situation or in some kind of crisis or you need to solve any problem, do what you have to do, but take a few steps back Take a breather and look at the forest. Don't get caught up in the now moment in your present reality. Take a step back, take a deep breath, and look at the forest as it were. Don't get caught up in fighting the now. 
You know, many of us fighting the now usually are fighting the little things in our lives that it wouldn't even matter a year from now. We are so focused on fighting the little battles, fighting the little things that we completely lose track of the fact that there are other things going on outside our most immediate issues, tension, or present moment crisis. I want to encourage you, do not let your present moment to distract you or exhaust you to the point that you don't have any energy to look from the perspective from the heavenly places. Now, of course, this morning, just one, and let me share with you a few more, okay? When we focus on survival, sometimes we miss opportunities ahead of us, opportunities for greatness. So instead of looking for, for, from the things, uh, looking at things from heavenly places, we keep on focusing our attention on the now. Now, another distraction in our life is this is our past experiences. Do you know that our past experiences would distract us or even inhibit us from seeing what God wants us to see? Because many of us have been, have been hurt in the past very deeply or that we fail at something very deeply and therefore we, have, we are looking at things quite differently. Even when there is not an opportunity presented to us because of our failures or our hurts in the past, we, it would prevent us from seeing it as an opportunity but we will look at it as a threat. We look at it as a potential for disaster. You know, some of you may have been hurt deeply by other people in the past. You've been hurt by people that you were vulnerable to. And because you've been hurt so bad, you created a wall. And now God is bringing someone to love you. You wouldn't even touch them. You are suspicious of them. And that this person could be the love of your life. But because you've been hurt so badly, you are staying away from everybody. But friends, I pray that today God will heal you so that you will not allow your past hurts to hold you hostage for what God has for you. You will not allow past hurts to prevent you to see the opportunities God has for you. Now, some of you are probably, you know, have experienced some failures in the past. So now you are afraid of failures again because it, it costs you a lot. So you, you're not taking the chance. You're not taking the opportunities. I got a really amazing stories about my mom. I don't think she minds me sharing that story. You know, my mom came from a pretty well-off family. My mom, uh, her dad uh, was so rich at the time when she was alive, when she was younger, when she was a kid, you know, they, uh, they, they, they usually, rich people have multiple wives. So this guy had, my grandfather on my maternal side had Anyway, so, so, you know, the reason is because he's a rich guy, but he took a lot of chances, and he failed many times, failed miserably, and he lost his shirt, literally the shirt off his back. He, he, had, take, he had taken a lot of chances. So that's one incident during World War II. See, my grandfather was a businessman. See, businessmen, they don't take side. They're not patriotic or anything. All they want to do is just make money. They don't care about what country is doing what. All they want to do is make money. So my grandfather was like that. So, you know, he, he tried to make a few bucks, right? And so at the time, he had already had quite a few businesses going, and then there was this opportunity to import a large amount of steels at a discounted rate so that he could make millions. So what did he do? He raised as much money as he could, clear all his cash in the bank, 
And that wasn't enough. So he went and borrowed money against all his businesses so that he can get a ship large enough and that he can load up all the steels from Japan to be sent to a location to be distributed in that country. It was a great and awesome opportunity. Well, guess what happened? You know, during World War II, the Allies forces were fighting the Japanese, the Japanese founding the Allied forces. Well, to make a long story short, the ship was going from Japan to the designated place. I can't remember where it is. And it was going to a uh, on its way to destiny. And, you know, my, of course, my grandfather was very happy. You know, they loaded up the steels and they're on your way. You know, he's going to make millions and millions and millions of dollars. And guess what happened? That ship was torpedoed by the Allies forces. Everything he had went down the water. All gone. Well, this businessman became so poor, they had to live in a hole in the wall. And that wasn't the first nor the last time my grandfather took the chance. And so by the time my mom became an adult, she became so cautious about business, and she wouldn't want any of her children to have anything to do with business because if you want to get involved in business, you need to take risks. I remember when I graduated from university, you know, my first job was, of course, a computer engineer. But I thought to myself, I'm not wired to be a computer engineer. I need to talk to people. I need to go and have lunch with people. I cannot stay in the office. I need to get out, you know. I need to move my mouth somehow, you know. Computer engineers, what you do? You just sit in the office and just right? Nothing wrong with that. But it wasn't how I was wired, so I needed to get out. And so I decided to apply to go into sales. Oh, boy, I tell you, my mom found out about it. She was, com she was totally freaked out. She thought my life would be ruined. She's like, oh, my goodness, don't be so stupid. You know, your grandfather. And then she gave all the examples of people that failed miserably and even took themselves. You know, my grandfather tried to take his life. Wasn't successful, but he tried. That's how miserable it was. And so my mom was concerned. She was allowing the past to want to prevent her child to take on new opportunities for the future. And because she was fearful, she tried to project the fear over my life. But bless God, I was a man of faith, still am a man of faith, love to take chances, you know. And sometimes it freaked my wife out, but praise God, you know, I would take chances, you know. And so I tell you this, the success was amazing. I was making four times more money as a sales executive than I was when I was a computer engineer in the same company. But if I was too afraid... I would have missed the opportunity. Friends, I want to tell you this. For those of us who walk by faith, do not allow your past failures, your past hurt to hold you hostage. In Jesus' name, be set free. Now, the third one that actually inhibit people from seeing what God wants them to see from heavenly places is pride. You know, if you are proud, you will never know your blind spots. If you're humble, you will always ask for people to give you positive criticism. You will not be offended or be defensive when people are trying to show you your blind spots. You know, I can tell you many stories about how I was living in a life that is in a bubble and I didn't see my mistakes and I didn't know I had mistakes. I didn't know I had flaws. I thought I was perfect. For example, you know, when I was a young leader, you know, when I was a young leader, I thought I was a good, assertive leader. You know, I tried to apply what I learned in the marketplace to church leadership. 
May I tell you, my goal is to get things done. You know, I always had great admiration for those leaders that were strong, assertive, can have, make things happen, you know. So I thought to myself, okay, all these church people, they're so weak, you know. Let me just straighten them up, you know. So I was strong and assertive. But you know what? I was mean. I was harsh. My wife would tell you that. I was mean and harsh, and I have one of those mean faces. If my wife hadn't told me that, I wouldn't be smiling all the time. If I let it go naturally, I would look very mean, you know, but I will not know it if nobody tells me that. You know, that's a saying, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And so if you don't allow people to speak into your life, you will never know about your weak spots. You will never know that you need to make some correction in your life. If you're too proud to let people point out the mistakes to you, then you will always be in the place of struggling and contending for the little things. But God wants to elevate you, to cause you to see things from an elevated position in the heavenly places. That requires that you humble yourself. You know, I tell you, in in leadership training, this is what we were told. In leadership training, there is an inverse correlation between competence and confidence. That's the inverse correlation between competence and confidence. When you see an employee that seems to think he knows everything, he had a high level of confidence, chances are he has a very low level of competence because he had never allowed people to speak into their lives. On the other hand, if you, if you find somebody usually a very humble, yeah, they may be a negative on themselves, you, you can teach them to be positive, but they usually have high level of competence that they haven't discovered yet. You know, for leaders, it is easier for us to train up people with low confidence and, but high level of competence because you can speak into their lives and they will make correction and eventually they will go to the places where they're supposed to be. But if a person has high level of confidence, very proud, it's very difficult to train them and point out mistakes in their lives. They will, nev- they will never let you because they think they know everything. But remember... You don't know what you don't know. If you don't humble yourself, you will never know. Friends, I want to encourage you to humble yourself, to let people know that you're willing to receive feedback. Then you are on your way to be seated in the heavenly places to look at things the way that God looks at. One more point is past indoctrination. You know, we all have been educated somehow by education system of the world, indoctrinated by our culture, even our family upbringing. You know, all those are filters in our lives. And most of the time, they are not good filters because while it may even work in a certain generation in a certain time, it would not work in this generation in this time. Just think about it. Even as a preacher like me, can you imagine in the old days, preacher says the only thing to work is to go out there and give out tracts door to door to tens of thousands of people. If you try that today, you will have zero impact in people's lives. And you know, today, you cannot preach the gospel the same way that you used to preach the gospel. Yes, gospel must still be preached, but it must be preached differently. What we know in the past may not work today. But that's just a small example. A lot of us have cultural indoctrination and even religious indoctrination that would prevent us from seeing 
what we need to see. And that's why during Jesus' days, most of the Jews missed God, missed God himself. God came to them. They missed him. Why? Because of all the false religious indoctrination throughout the nation of Israel. And therefore, they could not receive Jesus, so they utterly rejected him. Most of them did anyways. Well, I'm so glad you came today, and I hope that it has been an encouragement to you. I hope that from now on, you're not going to look at things from the worldly perspective, but allow God to elevate you up to the place where you're supposed to be at positionally, seated at the right hand of the Father in Christ Jesus. Make decisions from, from that perspective. I know that you're going to be doing amazing things. I know that your path is going to be brighter and brighter and brighter. And I pray that God will lead you into your destiny, into what you have been wired and created to do for this very hour, for for this very time. You were not born and allowed to live in this hour and this time of the history of the church and as God has a specific assignment for you and if you, when you start looking from a heavenly perspective I know you're going to walk into your assignment and I know you're going to do great in Jesus name.